My guest today is David Meltzer, the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. His life mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. This simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, value. In all his content and communication, that's exactly what you'll receive. As part of that mission, for the past 20 years, he's been providing free weekly trainings to empower others to empower others to be happy. You'll find a link to the training in the show notes or in the details of the YouTube video. He holds these trainings on Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. I was very excited to have this interview with David. He is someone that I've been following closely. I aspire to the life that he leads, the happiness that he feels, and how he shares so much with the world. Now sit back and enjoy this episode with David Meltzer, my newfound friend and mentor. So my guest today is David Meltzer. I've been very excited to have this interview and I can't wait. So David, welcome so much and I appreciate you coming on my show. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate any opportunity to share a message on your platform to help other people make money, help people have fun, be happy. I appreciate it. So is it really weird if I tell you that I love you? I mean, I love if, if I start the interview off that way, that I love everything about you. I'm so glad I found you. For me, you are the, the full package of someone that I look up to. All that you do, uh, you're humble, you're kind. When I see you on your live videos and you're talking with people, you can see the emotion that's there. It's just hard to find the whole package like that. Well, it takes years of work, uh, internal work uh, to allow yourself to love yourself. And they told me that if I could ever learn to love myself and I'm still on the journey, that more people would love me. So it's not weird to say that. It's, uh, we're connected. We're connected in those people that uh, feel me, that hear and listen to me, and it moves them. Just there's a clear connection between us. The tree has no branches. So I am well uh, adjusted in the fact that I take it as a huge compliment if anyone says uh, that to me, that I'm doing the right work internally so that other people feel the same way. I actually wrote down different notes. One of them is be kind to your future self. I'd like you to explain that. My favorite quote ever, be kind to your future self is a perspective of finding the light, the love and the lessons, the superpower in everything. So many people, they look for what they don't want. They look for what's missing in their lives. They look for what other people want for them and they're not being kind to their future selves by doing so. When you look for the superpowers in others and yourself, when you look for the light, the love and the lessons, you're being kind to your future selves. And people ask me, well, how, how do I do that pragmatically, David? And I have a simple pragmatic methodology, which is do good deeds, smile at people, wave at them. My wife still thinks I'm a complete kook. Uh, <laughs> we go walking, hopefully every day, we go walking together. It's one of the things that I do is an adaptable routine to make sure I spend a minimum of time with my wife. But I'll wave at everyone. And it's like, do you know that person? No. She looks at me like I'm absolutely insane. But to me, that's being kind to my future self. And you never know. I'm telling you, so many people have told me that I've impacted their lives because I've had that perspective. One word 
you know, at the right time or one action of letting someone in front of you at the grocery store, you know, there's a woman that sit there and goes, she had babies and she had, you know, items. And I just, you know, I'm on a, a coaching call. What's the difference if I'm doing it in my car or in line at the grocery? So I let the lady before me, she turns around in tears. I was like, what, are you okay? She's like, no, she goes, we moved here and we thought we had to move back. And I told myself, if I don't find somebody, you know, to show me that kindness that I was going to think about moving back. And there you were. And I was like, that's what we do. That's being kind to your future self. And all that impact aggregates together to change the world. One of the other things that I wanted to ask along the same lines is, are you a believer of we are where we are supposed to be? You know, the, the saying that people say you the universe delivers when you're ready. And I just like, God, doesn't the universe have more for me? I want to live a much bigger life. I, that's why I, I completely look up to you and I aspire to what you do. And I just feel like, man, I just turned 59 in February and I'm like, God, there's got to be something more. I want more. I want to live a bigger life. And I can't believe this is all the universe thinks I deserve. Yeah. So the paradigm that needs to be shifted is yes, I believe that we are at the right place at the perfect time, that we have everything we need or we wouldn't be here. But I also believe that we need to live in the law of Goya. And the law of Goya, get off your ass, John Asaroff taught me that. Mm -hmm. And he was explaining, I, first time I met him, you know, he, I started about the law of attraction thinking he would dive deep into it. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. I really don't believe in the law of attraction. I believe in the law of Goya, which creates a frequency that'll allow things to happen. And it really changed my perspective because what I want you to think about and everybody out there is what if you already have everything? Meaning, what if you already are connected to the health that you want, the great wealth that you want, and the great happiness that is yours? You talk about the minute we say that there's more for me, we actually are thinking about what's missing in our lives, instead of shifting the paradigm and saying, I already have it. What am I doing to interfere with it? I stem from a belief of I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to do everything I can, the law of Goya, to angle to what I want, to clear the interference from me to what I want to come through me for others, because I'm going to give it away anyway. But there's much more for me, because I live in a world of more than enough more than enough of everything for everyone. It's my job not to go get it, not to think that there's something missing, but to figure out what's interfering with me and everything that is already mine. The greatest source of power, light, love, lessons, the greatest source of abundance of everything that is beyond our fathomable dreams and imaginations called infinity. And if I can just for an instant every day touch limitlessness and infinity, if I can do that through my perspective of gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, just an instant, that allows me to hopefully tomorrow have two instances where I've cleared everything out of the way and I feel that way of abundance, truly unconditional love. And so I want everyone out there to think about what is already theirs, to remind themselves, remember all these words, recollect, acknowledge the fact that we already have it. And when we don't feel as if we have it, that it's an illusion created by an interference, usually the ego is creating that interference. And so what do we do to clear that out of the way so that 
all of the things that are already ours, the material wealth, the extraordinary health, the extraordinary happiness, uh, that they actually come to us more rapidly and accurately. They come through us for others in the same way. So you're saying that I, by doing that, I will be able to identify what the resistance is. Correct. You, you already have everything you dream of. Uh, you're just resisting it and you're creating void shortages and obstacles between you and what you already have. God, I just, I'm getting in my own way is what you're trying to say in a nice way. <laughs> so, no, no, I, I think that is a nice thing to say. I'm in my own way all the time. I'm just limited uh, by what, what I'm doing. And, you know, comparison is a, an extraordinary way of stealing your joy. So I'm consistently trying to expand my own uh, pipe to what I already am. And as much as, you know, I can see where you have that perspective of there's so much more, why don't I have it? That's the world of not enough. And I lived there for a while. I know what that's like, where you become a victim, where there's not enough of anything and you should have more. And why do they have this? And I don't have this. And then, you know, I'm even the world of for me, you know, I, everything's for me. I lived in this abundant or supposedly abundant world where I bought things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like, creating more <laughs> resistance in my life to teach me even more valuable lessons. But I try to spend only minutes and moments in interference uh, instead of days, weeks, months, and years. And I live as much as I can in the pursuit of a world of more than enough of abundance, where I truly believe that, you know, infinity is my possibility. So I read about in, in your book. So I, I, I love this book and I bought 10 copies because I, I want to share this with people I care about. And I read in there about how you talk about meditation and manif manifestation. And the really cool thing was the point where you say you get up and you meditate at, in, you said in the 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. time period is when there's less vibration around. And so the 4 a.m. time slot for you is really important. So if meditation was taken away from you for some reason, just hypothetically, what would that do to you? Or what, what do you think that the importance of meditation in your life is? Yeah. It would, uh, it would diminish my capacity to plateau and grow. It would diminish my capacity to have a baseline in which I can recognize, recollect, remember my highest frequency so that I know when the ego-based consciousnesses that I have are interfering with me and what I want or what is already mine. And so I think without the practice of being quiet, uh, it would be more difficult to expand, grow, and accelerate at the pace that I do uh, to spend minutes and moments in ego-based consciousness instead of days, weeks, months, and years. Uh, it's a very essential time. As important as meditation is to me, so is the shift in the paradigm that I've utilized for my uh, time. You know, one of the things that is not in Connected to Goodness that has evolved from Connected to Goodness, the book that you have, is that I have a philosophy about my days. My tomorrow starts today. So where everyone gets excited about tomorrow, that means 9 p.m. to me. So I've shifted the man-made construct of time. Uh, I know it screws up my wife in the calendaring because I'll say, oh, I can't wait for tomorrow. And then my tomorrow starts at 9 p.m. And the reason it does is that it shifts my entire perspective of life that I have an unwinding routine to start my day that my day starts at its highest frequency at 9 p.m. I then 
put my mind, body, and soul in the right position to recover at the beginning of the day, to recover uh, physically, then to allow the greatest flow of connection with the least amount of resistance to start my day, which is sleep. Sleep is the physical natural realm of being able to get out of your own way. And so to utilize 9 p.m. is the beginning of my day to set me up for what most people call tomorrow, but now I call it tomorrow today uh, is extraordinary because then leading into 4 a.m., I'm now at my physical recovery, the highest vibration, but I also have elevated my awareness through less interference between subconscious and unconscious connectivity to the greatest source of light, love, and lessons, which leads to what I call the plateau and grow methodology of life. So you're not living in Camus, you know, the stranger's myth of Sisyphus, pushing a boulder, which I lived many years of my life feeling this way, pushing a boulder to the top of the hill just to start over in the morning. My tomorrow starts today. I think the 9 p.m. unwinding routine is equal to, if not greater than importance to the practice of being quiet, my 4 a.m. meditation for 20 minutes. And what does that 9 p.m. unwinding look like? So for me, it's understanding negative energy. So uh, temperature-wise, for me, it's 67 degrees uh, so that I'm in a state of uh, you know, of temperature that allows for the most physical recovery, uh, dark, uh, no negative conversation, no negative content, uh, disturbing content. Uh, everything to me is to wind down, no eating, no drinking, uh, no drugs or alcohol, obviously, um, <laughs> which I laugh at, but there's plenty of times, believe me, after nine o'clock that I was partaking in things that were interfering with what was the most essential time for me to connect to the greatest source uh, that has helped me to elevate my life and other people's lives. So, uh, you know, the unwinding routine is a discipline of making sure, you know, no emails, no DMs, uh, no communication outside other than the intimate conversation with me and my family. And I regulate, if someone brings up, you know, uh, you know I want to quit college. <laughs> <laughs> that conversation is not going to be had at nine o'clock. I do have an adaptable routine. You know, I have my priorities. I take inventory of my values. So if there was an emergency, uh, you know, somebody, uh, either my, my health or my family's uh, well-being, then that would take priority over the unwinding routine. Uh, so I do have an adaptable routine. So I'm not like some strict robot, you know, my daughter's like, oh my God, I need you. Nope, sorry, it's 9.05, I'm not here. I can't, <laughs> no, I'm a human being. I prioritize my family. Uh, but I will tell you that I feel differently in the morning when I allow interference, you know, to the beginning of my day. And I can definitely feel the difference. And once again, I'm blessed because Minutes and moments is all I'm spending there lately. And uh, very few days do I have to even implement my adaptable routine. So if someone comes in contact with you via, let's just say social media, and I don't even know how you keep up the pace that you do with the, the live videos on Instagram and Facebook. And, and I have a question about miles that I want to ask you before we, we finish up. Are you getting to bed at 11? Like it, it mentions that in the, in the book, are you actually only sleeping five hours? You're getting in bed 11, getting up at four for meditation? So this is the great Dave Meltzer lie that I wrote in Connected to Goodness that <laughs> okay. pissed, pissed my wife off. Because uh, my, my wife has rolled her eyes at this question more than not. 
because she has been the victim of me passing out at 9.05, <laughs> 9.30, 10.00. I, I, and if I was more honest, you know, when I wrote that book, I would have said, uh, I have an unwinding routine starting at 9. I must be passed out by 11. Uh, and there are many uh, road trips, uh, 200 of them a year before COVID, uh, where I was pushing myself because I didn't have, um, you know, the, the, the family aspect of being on the road. So I'd push myself and make sure I was passed out by 11 uh, p.m. Uh, Pacific time. But most of the time I'm, I'm passed out before 11. Uh, so somewhere between five, five and seven hours a night. So I would say I average six, but there's many times I've gone months and months with five hours. Uh, I prefer it's in, it's interesting because uh, physically I'm I'm getting into better shape. So I was just talking about Mondays. I, I take my day off uh, of physical hard physical exercise and I do yoga, stretching, balance, and so I've been finding that I wake up at like two thirty to three uh, if if I fall asleep too early, just because I'm pushing myself, I pass out at nine 30. Now I only go till two 30. So I just need the five hours. Uh, and today was one of those days, like driving everyone in my business crazy. Cause they woke up with a hundred emails. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know if I can steal your mantra, it's make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I love that. Is that okay to steal? I Absolutely. It's totally. Sure. I love it. Share my content and do good deeds. Please tell everyone to make money, help people have fun. It's part of my mission to empower over a billion people. And the more you tell people, hey, this comes from my mentor, David Meltzer, join him for his free trainings, books, exercises, guides, whatever I can do, uh, please share that message because that's the definition to, of happiness. If you make a lot of money and you help a lot of people and you have a lot of fun, I promise you, you'll be one of the happiest people you've ever met. I love it. Okay. I know our time is limited. I, I could sit and talk with you all day. Um, I have a question about Miles. Is My son. Is, yes. Is he going to be, it seems extremely knowledgeable about sports. When I saw one of the Instagram where you, he was sitting on your lap and you were doing a Sunday morning and, uh, it, people were rattling questions off in the comments and he seems to be a sports fanatic. What's he going to, what's he going to be when he grows up? Do you, does he know yet? Whatever he wants. He knows okay. that he, three things he knows that I tell him every day. Number one, I'm proud of him. Two, that I love him. And three, I always have his back. Uh, I tell him I need four things from him. I need one, him to be happy. Two, I need him to be healthy. Three, I want him to love me. And four, I want him to appreciate me, meaning that allow me to bring value to his life. Uh, so those are the th uh, three and the fours. And then whenever we do activity, I always tell him we have three objectives when we do activities together, whatever they may be. He has to do his best. He has to have fun and he has to learn at least one lesson. So if he does his best, has fun and learns a lesson, following all the other constructs, you know, whatever it is he is and what he loves to do, it will find him. It's already there. And he is extraordinary. My, all my four kids uh, I'm blessed to become even a better father now than I was, but I'm blessed. They have good genetics, uh, which helps, but they also have really good mindsets and heart sets to follow the quantum genetics that they've been gifted with. Well, they are lucky to have you. David, this has been such an honor for me. I can't even begin to tell you 
thank you so much for your time. And I hope our paths cross someday. I would love to meet you in person. And thank you so much for doing this. Come visit me. You're welcome every Friday for my free trainings. We have a studio. We're COVID safe. If you want to wait till after, you're always welcome. Come visit me on a Friday. Thank you so much, David. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I know you have many options to listen to various podcasts, and I'm honored that you chose to listen to mine. I would love it if you would rate my podcast five stars and write a nice review. It really helps to bring up the rankings of the podcast to other listeners. Once again, thank you so much for listening to The Joe Costello Show. I appreciate you very much.